0: Today, we are finishing up the series called Growing Pains. Who has been challenged these past four weeks about Growing Pains? All right, good. Perfect. Two of you, okay? All right. <clears throat> so it has been a challenge for me, right? It's been a very, very good challenge for me because I got to see where I was in my own spiritual stage. And I got to see, okay, where do I need to go from my point A to point B? What do I need to do to in order to grow in my spiritual maturity. And I hope that as we finish up this series that this goes beyond your conviction of spiritual maturity, right? That your conviction would turn into action and application because a conviction is not a conviction if there's no action behind it, right? So I hope that these, I pray that for you that this conviction of of where you need to be from point A to point B in your spiritual maturity and your spiritual growth, that, that you would take action upon that. And Donnie started off with this uh, in the first week. He said that we are designed to grow, right? That is the natural process of growth. We are designed to grow. That's how God designed us, not just spiritually, right? We're going to talk about spiritual growth, but just mentally and, and physically, right? You don't want to be Benjamin Button, right? I mean, that's not, that's not what you're looking for. That's, uh, right? So you want to grow. You have to grow. It's the natural process of our human beings, That's how God created us. And our theme verse comes from Hebrews 5, 11-14. And this talks about our spiritual growth and where we need to be in our spiritual maturity. It says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who was here last week? And when we demonstrated the uh, the baby food. Okay. Pretty gross, isn't it? We had like, we had like pear baby food, which pear isn't bad. Okay. Grounded up pear, I'll, I'll eat it. Okay. Um, grounded up turkey. Ah, yeah, that, not so much. Okay. That's kind of gross. Okay. Well, we all know that baby food is not meant for adults. Amen. All right. Baby food is not meant for adults. Like us adults, right? Us people, we want that Brazilian barbecue, like from Chima or something. Yeah, I got some of the yeses over here, okay? We want the Brazilian barbecue from Chimas that all you can eat, you can just chew on that meat, right? Little tip if you ever go there, do not eat the salad, do not eat the things that they give you in the middle of the plate, okay? That's just to fill you up, okay? So, we want the Brazilian barbecue. Like, we want that meat, that solid food. But I know that not everybody here is ready for that Brazilian barbecue from Chimas. Not everybody is ready for that solid food just yet. And let me hear, you'll get there. It's okay. You will get there. Our goal in this series, in this Growing Pain series, is not to make you feel guilty or ashamed of what stage you're at. That's not our goal. Our goal is to help you identify and to guide you into that spiritual maturity, into the next stage of spiritual growth. That's why we gave you this, all right? Who's taking one home? And put it on your fridge. Okay, all right. Who's, is, who's It's in the trash. Okay, nobody's raising their hand for that one, right? So please take this home. We gave it to you as a guide. All right, This is something you can just put on your fridge or on your bathroom mirror in the, every morning. You're like, okay, where am, I, where am I at today? Where do I need to go? As a reference for you to see which point you need to go from A to B. We all start at the spiritual infant stage, but we all grow. Growth is a natural process, right? We, we go from baby to toddler. And it's for spiritual maturity, there needs to be an evidence of growth. There needs to be an evidence of growth, right? If, we, if you have a baby and they're not growing into toddler stage, it's kind of weird. The same thing with our spiritual stage, right? Toddler to child, child to teen, teen to young adult, and young adult to adult. Our goal is to hit that adult stage, but just as Matt mentioned it last week, maturity is not a destination, but it's the new normal that God desires for everybody. It's not a destination. Just because we hit the adult stage, we're like, all right, I'm done with my spiritual maturity and my spiritual growth, and I don't want anything to do with it. No, it's, it's not that. It's, it's the new normal. Maturity needs to keep happening until we take our last breath. There is never a, I've learned everything I need to know, so I don't need a church, I don't need Jesus. Right? There's, I, I read the Bible three times a year, from Genesis to Revelation, cover to cover, even the preface, right? And the, all the other stuff in the back. Just because you read it three times doesn't mean that you need to stop learning or stop growing. There is no way that we can say that we've stopped. We, we've learned everything that we need to learn. You know, I've been following Jesus for about 16 years now, right? And I've been in ministry for nine years, and I still learn new things about my awesome Father. I still learn new things about who Jesus is. And let me tell you, it's, it's amazing. Because there are things that you just read in the Bible, you go, wait, I read that like a million times. Man, but Jesus is just speaking to me in a totally different way. Man, this is awesome. It's like a sweet nectar. Do you want to know, and this is really for the goal-oriented people, okay? Do you want to know when you have reached that ultimate goal? Yes? Okay, all right, for all the goal-oriented people, yes, please give me the goal, all right? So the goal-oriented people, here, ready? It's when we hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant that's when we have reached that goal well done good and faithful servants just being in the presence of jesus when we have reached that goal but until then until then we need to keep growing towards maturity but in this journey of maturity it's not always easy amen <laughs> it's not always easy there, there are times that we just want to give up. There are times that we just like, you know what, forget it all because this is, this is not doing anything, right? There are times that we just want to just not go to church and, and have nothing to do with our faith. I can admit that. I've, I've been there. I still go through it time to time. And, and not only that, then there are times that we just get bored and we just kind of plateau in our spiritual life, right? This is just flat line of just there's no growth, there's no decline, there's just, we just get bored. Let me explain what I'm trying to say here. I, I, there's so many believers today that we have this mentality of, until God does something for me, until I feel something in my heart, until I feel God, then I'm not really growing. Therefore, we get bored in our Christian life because there's nothing happening in our Christian life. So we only go to church to benefit only ourselves to receive something. And so there's a reason behind why people are leaving the church. And, and, and we went over this in 2 Timothy. It says that for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. Jesus did not die on the cross to appease our own ideologies and our preferences. He did not die on the cross to appease you, to appease me, to appease our opinions. Jesus died on the cross so that we will be saved from the wrath of God. I don't think we get this concept clearly enough in our churches today The wrath of God, meaning that before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were the very enemies of God. The sin that we had in us it disgusted God. It disgusted God. Let that sink in for a moment. We were the enemies of the Almighty God, the Creator, the Alpha and the Omega. Oh my gosh! I would no, I don't want to be on the other team. (laughs) No thanks. But because God loves you. He sent His own Jesus. He sent His Son, Jesus, to save you from His own wrath. His own wrath. And now we, that accepted Jesus, we act like we're holier than thou, and you know that one time saving was enough, and that's we just need to go to church, and that's it. You know, we've become very disobedient towards God and mouthy towards God. You know, we've twisted the very word of God to fit our own opinions and, and to form our own ideologies. Let me go one step further. We, we don't just get bored and plateauing and spiritualize because we because of, you know, just some reason. No, because we measure our spiritual lives by moments. Let me explain what that means. Oh, man, I remember that Sunday morning where I just felt God. But I don't really feel God throughout the week. Oh, oh man, that that camp was fantastic. I, I wish I can't wait for the next camp. Oh man, I, I that that small group, man, it was a deep small group. I'm guilty of this too. I mean, I lived for these moments. I I I wanted to experience these moments. That I you know, and I would come home and I'd be like, Mom, Dad, I had I love Jesus so much. And then something in life happens, and boom, I'm like. What happened? Where, where's Jesus at? Where Where's God at? I lived for those moments. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock down the moments that you have with uh, encounters that you have with God. Those are legitimate. Please hear me. They're legitimate. Your, your cry sessions that you have on Sunday mornings with God in, in, in this room full of people and bawling, that's legitimate. It's great right? Your, your camp experiences, they're legitimate. They're, they're great. They're, they're tools to help you to grow more into spiritual maturity, but there is a missing link that we have in order to take us to the next level of maturity, and that is this. It's consistency. Consistency. Now, it's, that's a foreign word for many of us here because It's a foreign word because it's a lost discipline in our Christian culture today. Consistency is a lost discipline amongst many believers today because we have been living in the moments for far too long. This idea of emotional Sunday, Jesus juice is enough for us to get through the rest of the week and then come back Sunday and do it all over again and then do another week without Jesus and then come back Sunday. And this cycle of just moments that we live by, we've lost the art and the discipline of consistency. So if you don't get anything out of today, in today's message, please remember this spiritual maturity is not measured by moments, but it is cultivated. consistency spiritual maturity isn't measured by moments but it is cultivated through consistency you see consistency is a lifestyle it's a lifestyle a lifestyle that is devoted to jesus if you want to grow being constant in spiritual discipline is a must it is not a option it's not a option so today we're going to look at the life of Daniel and the life of Daniel and his lifestyle, how his lifestyle helps us to understand why constant spiritual discipline is necessary. We all have an idea of what Daniel, who Daniel is, right? Who is Daniel. Lion's Den, good, that's exactly what I was looking for, right? Lion's Den, we un- all understand Daniel as, oh yeah, the guy that threw in the lion's den, didn't them, them die, and then came out, I was like, woo, right? So that's the guy that we're talking about, okay? He, and he's, he, he's famous, he's in many stories, even in children's book, okay? But do we really know who Daniel is? Okay, let's look at some of the details here. Daniel was a young man who was taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar while he was in Jerusalem, okay? Because he took over Jerusalem basically King Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem okay and back in the day for all you history buffs here back in the day if your nation was overruled by another nation the the nation who overruled you had all the rights to take all of your educated people and their royal people into your own land and make them your own make make them like become one of their own Because back in the day, it wasn't really, I mean, gold, silver, yeah, perfect. But knowledge was power back in the day. So if you could get anybody who was educated into your own land, like you were the most powerful of all nations, okay? A little fun fact there, there, all right? So, but the king had requirements. King Nebuchadnezzar had requirements of who was to be taken captive. So let's look look at this verse. Daniel 1, chapter 3, 4. The king ordered Aspenaz, the chief of his court officials to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving the king's palace and to teach them the Chaldean or Babylonian language and literature. All you single ladies in here, right? That's exactly who you are, right? All right? But, I mean, these were the requirements of what the king was saying, who was to be taken captive. And Daniel really fit into all these categories, okay? Daniel was from a royal family, okay? He was in the same lineage as King David, okay? Daniel was intelligent. He was great looking, okay? Just like me, all right? Daniel was young at the age of about 14 through 20, okay? That's a very young age. He fit into every single category. Uh, Fun little fact, this is totally nothing to to do with the sermon, okay, fun little fact, if you're, again, history buff. Do you guys know who Confucius is? Alright, alright, the fortune cookie guy, okay, he was a real dude, okay, well, Confucius and Daniel actually share the same timeline from 550 B.C. to 538 B.C., anyways, cool, alright, I just want to say that, I thought it was pretty cool, alright, so, I mean, we know this much about Daniel, okay, this much, we know that he was intelligent, we know that he was good looking, okay, but there's one thing that Our churches today, when we talk about Daniel, that gets overlooked way too often. And it's his lifestyle. And it's his lifestyle. We talk about his three friends in the furnace, right? We talk about his bravery and his intelligence. But we never talk about this verse. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The window in its upper room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he has done before. Let me catch you up to the speed of what this document is all about, okay? By this time, King Nebuchadnezzar had died and King Darius had come into power, okay? And, and King Darius looked favorably upon Daniel. So because Daniel was very distinguished and intelligent, King Darius made Daniel a, a one of the chief advisors or one of the king's court officials as like his right-hand man, like the right-hand dude, but you have to remember, Daniel was from where? Jerusalem. So you can imagine the envy and the jealousy, and, and just the just that that oh uh, why 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 am I not up there? Because I'm a true Babylonian, right? And and but to see somebody who was from a different nation be up there as the right hand man. Oh man, that caused some angst, didn't it? Right? You can imagine. It's like if you're at work and, and somebody who just got who just like graduated college and they're now in a high, higher position than you, right? you got like, oh, man, that's, that's stupid, okay? <laughs> so basically that's what they were feeling about. So the people, in the, the intelligent people in, in Babylon who was born and raised, they formed up this document fully well knowing that they, Daniel prayed three times a day, each and every day, to God. So they formed this document saying, you know, King Darius... For 30 days only you can be worshipped. There's no if anybody else worships anything, then they can be thrown into the lion's den. And in King Darius' eyes, I mean he's like, heck yeah, yes. If if you want to worship me, please worship me. For 30 days, I'll take it. Even though Daniel knew this document, because again, the Rahim man, he knew everything. This document had been signed. And the consequences of not abiding it, he still prayed just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Regardless of what situation Daniel was in, he did not waver in his devotion to God. See, this consistency of devotion, this discipline of devotion, wasn't something that Daniel started when he got captured by the Babylonians. No, this consistency, this discipline, was way before uh, Babylon uh, attacked Jerusalem. This was in his lifestyle. This was something that he did every single day out of discipline, out of love for his almighty Father. And it's because of his discipline and this intimate relationship with God that he was able to withstand some of the strongest crisis that he's ever faced, even being thrown into the lion's den, even in the face of adversary. See, he could have totally cursed God when he got captured by Babylon, right? I mean, if you get plucked out of your home and then you get thrown into a different home, I would, I would be like, what the heck is going on here, right? And I would have an emotional breakdown and I would just... I'll probably cry like a little baby. I'm like, I want my home, right? But Daniel did something very that was opposite. He trusted God because he had that discipline of devotion to him. It was an everyday practice for Daniel. See, Daniel trusted in God because he had a deep, intimate connection with God. He was able to put his trust in God in any circumstances because he had a deep, intimate connection with God. And let me just ask everybody here today, do you want to have that unwavering faith, that unwavering trust in the midst of the storms that are coming from you, right? The winds that are coming from left, the mountain that is coming over you. Do you want to have that unwavering faith and trust in God? If you nodded yes and you've in your heart you said yes, then it starts with you spending time with Jesus every single day. It doesn't start by going to churches on Sunday. It doesn't start by just, you know, just Sunday service. It doesn't start by just listening to worship music. It doesn't start by just attending small groups. No, it starts with you in your daily life, having that discipline to be with Jesus. That's where it starts. Your spiritual maturity starts with you and cultivating that consistent devotion. Coming to church, it's a tool. It's a tool. Community, it's it's a must, but it's also a tool. This this small group is a tool. Worship music is a tool. They're not meant to be used as to feed feed your spiritual life. They're not. Your spiritual life depends on you being one-on-one with God, being in the Word, and praying. We have to go back to the basics of what spiritual growth is all about. Another thing that amazes me about who Daniel is, and it's his unwavering character. So we know that, you know, Daniel was captured and he had complete trust in God, right? And in this unfortunate circumstance. But in the midst of that he was forced to adapt into the Babylonian culture, right? And if you get from one home and you get put in place another, you adapt. Okay. You know, I don't know about you, but I can definitely uh, relate to Daniel in this. I I came to the states back in 2000. Okay, that's about 19 years ago. Whew. All right. So back in 2000, I remember there was something that um about the American culture. I was like, "Huh. That's weird." <laughs> right? I remember I'm like, oh, okay, this is not right." Like, for example, like breakfast. Okay? Breakfast. Who likes breakfast here? All right? Good. All right. All right. I grew up eating a full meal, like each and every single day, like I'm talking about bowl of rice and like, I know very stereotypical and you know great. All right, bowl of rice and like vegetables and meat. All right, that's that's what my that's exactly what my breakfast looked like every single day, right? Some of you guys are like, no thanks, <laughs> right? But that's what my breakfast looked like every single day, and I come here to the states, cereal and milk, <laughs> right? Or Pop-Tarts. Yeah. And I'm going, are you serious? Like it was such an insult to me that I didn't eat it for like a long time, okay? Now I love cereal and milk, okay? Now I'll eat Pop-Tarts any time of the day. (laughs) But back then I was like, no, this is stupid, right? How about lunch? Lunchables? (laughs) Come on, like that's not lunch. That's just, like that's what my lunch looked like. I know, I know. Some of you guys are like, wow, that's really over the top. But that was my culture. Like that's, that's how I grew up. That's how I grew up, and I had to adapt into lunch bowls and pizza and sandwiches. How boring! All right, it was, just, it was an insult to me. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is stupid." Now I eat pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But you know, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. But I had to adapt. I had to adapt. So, mom, if you're watching this, thank you for making all this food for me. Love you. All right. So, so, but I had to learn this new American culture that that I had. You know that. I had to understand that this was my new home this was my new home see daniel had to learn this new culture i'm sure he had to learn the, some of the language i'm sure he had to learn the traditions i'm sure he had to learn the proper greetings i'm sure he had to learn just the overall culture itself but daniel in the midst of adapting in the midst of this change in the midst of learning all these things he never ever waved in his belief and his conviction of who he was And who God was in his life. Let's read Daniel chapter 1, 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself. See, the people of Israelites, if you know the laws of Moses, back in Moses' day, they were given a law... To not eat foods that were given to the idols or sacrificed to the idols, all right? And so defilement meaning that this food was sacrificed to the idols of, you know, the Babylon culture. So Daniel here is saying he's not going to take part of that. He could have easily taken part of that. I mean, the food is food, right? In, in, in itself, food is food. Like cereal and mink is food. Like I eat it now, you know? Like Pop-Tarts, I eat it now. It's, there's nothing wrong with the food. See, Daniel wasn't wasn't denying the food itself, but Daniel was defying what the food stood for. That it was against the law, and he did not want to waver in his conviction that God has given him, and the truth that he knew by. Fully well, fully knowing, that to deny king's food back in the day it was like a slap in the king's face if you if the king gave you food you better eat the food if king gave you a wine you better drink the wine all the way to its last drop that's how it worked back then but daniel fully well knowing even the consequences of that he said no i will not take part in that because i know my belief in our society today it's an ever-evolving tradition and culture right we wake up every morning and there's like a new tradition that just popped up, or a new culture that just popped out. You're like, what? I was only asleep for like eight hours. What the heck happened in those eight hours? You know, we're constantly being, being bombarded to adapt or even to adopt a certain culture or ideology, right? Aren't we? Whether we realize it or not, with our technology today, we are surrounded by so many beliefs. Like, take this apple for an example, Okay take this apple for an example it's it's a perfectly round-shaped Apple right it's orange because it's been in the best soil and and best sunlight in the world okay it only grows in the Amazonian River and it only comes out at every four years it's a very rare apple and this apple is delicious I have had a bite it's fantastic it's it's juicy it's awesome It's a very rare apple. It's a magnificent apple. Would you like to buy this apple? All you guys are looking at me like, you crazy. (laughs) In fact, we know that this is orange, don't we? We know in the bottom of our hearts, like, it doesn't matter how many times I say, this is an apple, this is an apple. You're like, no, 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 no. That's, this is an orange. Like, that's an orange. Like, you're not going to convince me that that's not an orange. This is an orange. You see, You have a firm ground on on this fact that, this knowledge that you have because you've known it for so many years because it's been a discipline. It's been a part of your life. As you walk through the groceries, you're not going to look at an apple go, that's an orange. Or you're not going to look at a banana go, that's a grape. You know what the truth is. See, Daniel stood against the very ideology of Babylon culture and his conviction was firmly grounded in God even though he knew that those around him did not believe in the same things that, as he did. His root in God was so deep that nobody, nobody around him could uproot his conviction and his belief. 1 Peter 3.15 says it in this way, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If we don't have the truth as a solid ground, we're going to be like chaff in the wind, blowing left and right, up and down. If we don't have the truth as a solid ground, and when we don't have that, we're going to be like waves that are tossed back and forth of the waves of the culture. If one person, say, if, if one person says, this is what the Bible says, you're like, okay, I'm going to go this way. Or if one person says, this is what the Bible says, I'm going to go this way if we don't have a firm stand on what the truth is, then we're just going to be tossed back and forth by what everybody else says. But we will never listen to what Jesus has to say. The only way that we can stand on solid ground, on the concrete foundation and not the sand foundation, the only way is by, having, by knowing Jesus every single day of your life, more and more each day. It's not me, it's not Matt, it's not Don, it's not Chris, it's not anybody, it's not CNN, it's not Fox News, it's not anybody who can give you that firm stand truth that you can stand on. But it's only Jesus through the word of God, through your devotion, through your discipline of getting to know him more and more every day, that's when you can stand on the truth foundation, a firm ground. Because the culture that we live in, they'll throw everything at us. But if we have the firm ground, just as Daniel did, because of his devotion and his discipline, then we can stand and be rooted in Christ. There's a reason why we call this serious growing pains, okay? Because if we called it like, hey, growing is easy, we would be totally lying to you, okay? (laughs) We would totally be lying to you. Because growing really isn't easy. It's painful, okay? It forces you out of your comfort zone. It forces you to grow. It forces you to have, you know, to to, to challenge your intellect and how you think on so many levels and what you already know about what the Bible says or what the culture says. But growing is necessary for our spiritual maturity. It's necessary. It's a must. In order to cultivate our spiritual maturity, a fervent and consistent daily discipline of devotion just like Daniel prayed every single day is mandatory. there's no other way around it. You guys remember the bottom line is that spiritual maturity isn't measured by moments, but it is, it is cultivated through consistency it is cultivated through consistency. You know as I was preparing this message I, uh, God was convicting me for a, a, a lot of things, and uh, you may not like me for what's about to say in my next part here, <laughs> but that's okay because yeah, that's okay. If you're thinking to yourself, I, I don't have time to do that. I'll be very honest with you that that is such an elementary thinking and a very childish way of thinking. Because this is a conviction that God gave me as, uh, as I was preparing this. Because there are times that I'll say, God, I just don't have the time. And God will be like yeah you don't <laughs> you know, you can dislike me for saying that and you can argue with me that you really don't have the time but you do have time for going shopping you, you do have time to go out for a drink you do have time on your Facebook you, you do have time you know for all of us guys here on your toilet right mm-hmm. you do have time um, spending time in vacations you do have time going to the pool so where where is our excuse in saying that we don't have time for Jesus it's it's an elementary thinking we have to ask ourselves like where is our priority where where is our priority like is it On things that are so temporary that's here today and gone today? Or is it on something that is eternal? And that's your soul and that's your eternity with God? You know, so I challenge you today, my brothers and sisters. I I challenge you from the depths of my soul because this is something that God has been convicting me in, in every single day. That when I was preparing, this, he was like, I'm speaking to you too. You know that. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, that I challenge you to stop making the excuse of why you can't spend time with Jesus. Of why you can't spend time with Jesus. Can you imagine if, if Jesus said, I don't got time for two saving people today? <sighs> yeah. I mean... So, I challenge you as Jesus challenged each and every single one of us in the passage. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So, I challenge you to surrender to Jesus today. To surrender your life, surrender your ways, surrender your excuses, surrender your time, your ideas, and your own opinions. I challenge you to surrender your will and your heart to Jesus and turn to Jesus for repentance because there's so many things that we need to repent for. I know I do. So I challenge you to surrender today that you will make this life of spiritual maturity, of growth as a consistent daily discipline for your life. And and I can guarantee you you can witness that growth as you do that as you spend your life in surrender, spend your life in discipline because your spiritual life depends on it. Let's pray together. Father, I uh, thank you for this conviction, Lord, to stop making up excuses of why we can't, I can't spend time with you. God, help me to have this conviction and to actually put it into action. God, I pray for uh, all of us here, Lord, as I, I pray that you've spoken to each and every single one of their hearts and to take up the challenge to have the discipline of consistency to surrender their lives once again that the spiritual maturity, the spiritual growth isn't about the moments that we live. It's not just a Sunday thing that we go to and that we live our lives and then we come back on Sunday again and make this a routine. But God, this is something that, that, this is an everyday thing, this everyday discipline that we need to have about getting to know you more if we want to stand on the firm truth of you, who you are, Jesus. God, I pray for all of us here that we would have the firm truth that we will not be tossed back and forth like the waves of this culture. So God, thank you for this series, God. This series has been, it's it's been amazing. Help us to be challenged, help us to even be convicted even in the future and to take, take action upon that. God, we love you so much. We give you all the glory and honor. God, we thank you for the series. We thank you for that's who's everybody who's here. God, be with us. And we bless your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.